Welcome back to the Getting Grit Podcast. I am Brad Pohl, your host, and this is where we tell the stories of sinners and saints. Is this who we have come to be? Milk drinkers like babes instead of grown men. The priest began his homily. You better put your seatbelt on for this one. And then he began. Why are so many Catholic men acting like seventh graders at their first school dance, timid, huddled in the corner, and afraid to go out on the dance floor? I guess what I'm really asking is this. Where are all the grown-ass men at? Because, gentlemen, we have a fundamental breakdown in manhood. You know, whenever we talk about the failings of manhood, it always seems like it's third and ten. The fundamental breakdown in the Enlightenment era was in moral virtue. It was unresolvable because we began to share an unstable moral base. Our first principles as men were no longer the same. An example, God was not first. When first principles are no longer shared, first principles become mine, based on my emotions alone. Apologist Mike Gormley shares, Morality becomes nothing more than a system of rules. Duty for the duty's sake. So the culture sees morality as, okay, here's the rules, so do them. Yet these rules do not have any depth because of the unstable state in our first principles. You have your rules and I have mine. And men quickly say, how can I take these rules and selfishly improve on my own situation? Through the self-serving act of following my emotions first, men develop a weakness of will, acting against one's own internal conscience or failing to act in accord with it. Emotions are as unstable as the weather. In 1971, John Lennon penned the words to the famous song, Imagine. It went like this, Imagine there's no heaven, it's easy if you try, no hell below us, above us only sky. Imagine all the people living life in peace, a brotherhood of man. Sounds great, right? Except you can't have the latter if you choose the former. Or I could say, you can't take God out of the equation and expect to achieve any sort of peace among men. Jewish law and Greek virtue together challenge men to live with the virtues, united with a strength of heart, not an emotional experience, but a gut-level rational experience. Prudence, temperance, justice, and courage— these are the four cardinal virtues that equip us to render under God what is God's. Lenin's image is that of the incontinent man, the one who lives by his own law and not virtue, and is therefore always at war with his flesh, tossed by his emotions because he seeks to be his own God. The virtuous man, on the other hand, is built from the first principle, the imago Dei, an example, I am made in the image of God. God loves the things he has made and calls them good, which is the main thing. Man's error is that he often misses the main thing because of his own thing. We avoid the areas that we are weak in, even when we are told God's power is perfected in our weakness. Because our culture would say that our free will must always come first. Before we develop any form of understanding or make any personal choices, we have free will as if science somehow proves man lives with a blank check constantly in his hand. But God says that our free will comes after. God is truth. He comes first. As we build understanding and make decisions, 
about the choices afforded us, choosing the right thing to do when considering all the things available, choosing self-control, responding on our terms, not on the terms of our emotions, choosing first to be a servant, honoring what is due to others over self, choosing in the face of anguish, harm, or even death to respond as a warrior. And we are given the free will to use God's good for this good. But if we say there is no God, then there is no good either. It is within the soul that virtue lives, Socrates said. Better to suffer injustice than to commit it. Better to suffer injustice than to cooperate with it. For those who cooperate become corrupt. But those who refuse to cooperate become heroes. True duty is understood and thus acted out, guided by these four hinges or cardinal virtues that everything moves around. They help man understand what the Imago Dei truly means. So how are we to draw ourselves into these virtues? Do we gain hold of these virtues by repetitive behavior? Some say the principle of 10,000 repetitions is at work here, but of course this idea is a myth. Or is it? In 2008, Malcolm Gladwell wrote that 10,000 hours was the magic number for greatness. The meaning behind this, in theory, is simple. To be considered elite and truly experienced within a certain craft, you must practice it for 10,000 hours. However, he concluded that the potential of the self-made man is a myth, and everyone is more a product of timing and circumstances. So disappointing. Seeing the first flaw of the 10,000-hour rule, it focuses on the quantity of time practicing, not the quality of the practice. The second flaw of the 10,000-hour rule is it leads to a misconception that anyone can become an expert in a given area by putting in the time. It has also already been stated, we often miss the main thing because of our own thing. Man's desire to put the genie back in the bottle and market it for self-gain is cliché. Common sense tells us that repeating good things over and over leads to good outcomes. Eliminating bad things over and over leads to eliminating bad outcomes. But let us not get caught in the minutia of elementary ideas. A warrior doesn't fight because he hates his enemy, but rather because of who is behind him and who is beside him. Sin is neither friend nor enemy, nor holding any personal quality in itself. It is an entity by itself, and the only thing in this life that can be hated completely and without compromise. There is great energy in hating the sin by itself, irrespective of the person. But this too takes courage because of our tendency is always to look back. Yet Jesus warned us in the second shortest verse in the New Testament when he said, Remember Lot's wife. Aristotle wrote about the golden mean where in the very middle you find courage in its richest form. To the far right, you find bravado. To the far left, you find cowardice. C.S. Lewis wrote that courage is always found at the breaking point of all the other virtues. So we have a responsibility to inform our conscience with the good for making right choices in self-control with a servant's heart, courageously living, in the Imago Dei. Mike Gormley 
reminds us. Every time we hear the words come down from your cross, it sounds like the voice of Jesus. But if you remember, Jesus did not come down. He endured. We are living in a liquid culture that flows down a river in the direction of least resistance. And no, you will never be clean enough nor good enough. But it is not an abuse to say to a man, repent. Reconciliation with God is a great sacramental gift. It's an abuse of freedom to say, God loves you, and not call men to repentance. We need men right now who will be the rock in the river that says no to the flow. You'll just have to go around me. The virtuous life is one that courageously chooses what is right, is not controlled by emotions, giving all men what is their due. There is fruit and seed that comes from this virtuous life by those who seek to gain it. And it will take a lot of repetitions. How many, I cannot say, but a lot. Remember, easy men produce hard times. Virtuous men produce peace. And what we need right now are virtuous men who are willing to fight for that peace. Green Bay Packer great Max McGee once said, On third and ten, you can have the milk drinkers. I'll take the whiskey drinkers every time. Ain't it so? This is Gettin' Grit signing off. Blessings to you all. Dominus Bobiscum.